fantastic to hear. Uh, of course, the how I mean, Robbie did all the, the the background. I know it takes time to do that, but that certainly adds to it. But hearing young people read God's word is man. I don't know why I'm so emotional. Um, Romans, go in your Bible to Romans. Let's do that first. Go to Romans chapter 8. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, we sang about um, the, um, the slave read scriptures about sweeter, your word, talking about how wonderful God's word is in Psalm 19. Um, and it says there, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings from the honeycomb, I think is what the ESV says. And... Um, I'll never forget studying uh, Psalm 19, and and uh, one of the scholars was um, pontificating on the history of of where that thought would come from, from you know, from a Jewish perspective, and David would have known that, and and probably David experienced this according to the scholarly work. And what he said was, is, and I've shared this before, but it's it helps you see the significance of, of training children. But what they would do is that the rabbis who were teaching, who were in charge of teaching children, would use uh, scrolls, and, and it would have God's Word obviously written on the scroll. And they might be studying one verse out of the Psalms or Genesis, whatever it would be. And, and they would have it written out. And, and what the children would do, and supposedly this is what the scholar said, is that oftentimes the rabbi would coat the scriptures in honey. He would coat the, the text in honey. And, and as the child would, would go take a, a pen, or not a pen, but a stick or something, and they would, they would copy letter for letter, because the Bible says that, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. They, they would copy every letter and every word on that. Of course, if they're in Hebrew, they're coming backwards. And they would, they would, and then as they, as they would do two or three words, they would have a bunch of honey stuck on the end of the stick. And they would get to eat the honey and go back to study and doing God's word. Now, I don't know how true that is, but you can see where the psalmist would say, it's your word, the honey is sweet, right? But there's nothing like the sweetness of God's word. Amen? And that, that is so true. You know, we've been talking about uh, family life for, for several months and we have several more weeks to go. But you know, in, in the Bible, I want you to think about something with me this morning. It's, it, we are going to talk about the family, but um, like if you, if you were to think of all the metaphors um, that the Bible uses to try to describe or to try to convey in a, in a symbolism uh, or, a, or an illustration of what church is, what the body or the called out assembly is supposed to be in, in, in the plan of God. You know, you have a body. Uh, the Bible describes the church, the local church, as a body of believers. And in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 deal with that. They both say that many members but yet one. It's wonderful. We dealt with that several years ago. Also, the Bible says we're a building. The church is a so you get an idea of a body. Many members need to stay healthy. You know they're interconnected. You know no parts insignificant. Okay, then we're a building, and 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 if you're thinking of a building, there has to be a foundation, right? There has to be a plumb line. 
and, and we're going to shoot straight lines when we build. And, and so you have the foundation of Christ. You have the, the word. You have the apostles and prophets of which would be like our plumb line of which we structure everything. And so we're building, and we're, we're built on that foundation that's been laid. We get that. And we could, do, we could use uh, Christ. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. That's a good illustration. Uh, that living the source, you know, that if you're going to stay, if you want to have spiritual fruit, you have to stay connected to the vine. And as, as you're connected to the vine, you will produce fruit. And, and when you're not connected, um, now I'm thinking just as a believer, when you're not connected sometimes, you don't produce the fruit. And Jesus intends for us to produce fruit. And he says it three or four times in John chapter 15. So that would be, that would be an illustration of uh, a shepherd and sheep would be one, right? Uh, we're sheep. And that's a great picture of who we are. We are like sheep who have gone astray. Each is turned to his own way. And the God has laid on him the chastisement of it. We understand that. We are sheep. We just wander around and, and, and are carried away by the winds of doctrine. So we can see that. And there's many more. You can probably think of one that, that, that kind of hits home for you. There are several more that you could kind of pick on. And, and maybe bride. We're the bride of Christ. But there is one in the New Testament that you might say the Bible says we're a family. Right? But here's what's different. When the Bible says we're a family, now listen to what I'm saying. Because I've really, I know that. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by His blood. Sing that all the time. Uh, family. But see, the family in the Scriptures, are, it's not a metaphor. It's literal. Of all the things I just said, they're metaphors. They're symbolisms. But the family is what we are. Do you see what I'm saying? You and I have a father. Right? Am I right? That's what the text says. Right there in Matthew. Teaches us how to pray. He says, how do you start out praying? Our pater. That's Greek. Our father. And that would have blown their minds to call Jehovah, to call Elohim, to call Him Father. Uh, it would blow their minds, the intimacy of, of having God as a Father. But all throughout, and I'm not talking about a Father like a Creator Father. I'm talking about an intimate Father of a household. For all that are saved, that have been born again, all the saints, the Bible says God is is your father. Now think about that. And the Bible says not only that, but Jesus, speaking of a family picture, is our brother, but it's more than a brother. He's called our elder brother. And so he has set the example for the rest of the family to follow, right? So it says that we're to mimic the life of our elder brother, right? And here's another side note of that. Everything that Jesus earned as the elder brother, right? He would get his inheritance first, right? Elder brother. He, would, he gets the inheritance before we do because he's the elder, right? But guess what the Bible says about that inheritance? He gives it to us. We get, though we don't earn it, we get his inheritance. 
of which the kingdom of God and heaven and all these things are ours. But the Bible specifically says that we're family. We are, so all of us in here, I, oh, let me give you this illustration. I, I can remember, um, I spent almost every summer as a child in Fairhope down South Alabama. This is back when that Fairhope and Foley and all that was not built up. And I could tell you stories you would not believe about where you could go in those places and nobody would be there. But, but So I would go down and spend every summer. And my grandmother, my dad's mother, outlived three husbands, okay? This was the second. I called him Uncle Shep. Didn't call him Paul Paul. I don't know why I ended up calling him Uncle Shep. His name was Shepherd, Uncle Shep. But when people would visit the house... Or would stop, like we'd be at Greer's grocery store. There's Greer's. I don't even know if they have stores anymore, but Greer's. We'd go to Greer's grocery store and they'd stop him. They wouldn't call him Shep. You know what they called him? Brother Shep. Brother Shep. He was a deacon at the church. Well, I didn't register with me, but every time everybody would see him, they'd call him Brother. Brother Shep. Now, I never called him Brother Shep. I, I didn't make the connection. But, but later on in life when I got saved and I looked back, I mean, he was dead and gone when I got saved, but I looked back and I remember now I understood what they were saying. He's their brother in Christ. And you see, listen, we're his blood-bought church and every one of us are brothers and sisters. Jesus is the elder brother. And as they say in the South, we're kin. We're kin. And it's a kinship that is superior to your biological family. Let me say that again. The Bible says it is superior to your biological family. It takes precedent over your biological family. Your biological family didn't die for your sins. Through your biological family, you inherited the sin nature, which was passed down all the way to Adam. So the Bible teaches that there's no family greater. Now, hear what I'm saying, because it's pretty profound. There's nothing greater in your world than your family of faith. And just as your family, your biological family, you have a life with your biological family, and, and it involves you, you should have that same kind of intimacy with the church. And let me, let me tell you just right off the bat, okay? If church has become a tick in your clock, you know, you know, when we say, like, just go to another metaphor. When we say we are the body of Christ, but yet the other parts of the body that we're a part of sees us once a month, I mean, that's, that's just... It don't even make good sense that you could stay healthy that way, right? You see where I'm going? So if we are the family of God, and the Bible says that, it calls us a family, it calls us a household of faith several times. There's, there's elder men, there's younger men, there's younger women, older women, there's leaders. We're a family. But I want you to think about how much investment you make in the family of faith. And think about 
where, you're, where you submit to. And most of us miss the importance of a... See, this is why when somebody joins the church and they say, by the way, uh, Luann was talking about how hard it is to come to another church. It is. You, leave, you left a family. You did. And especially if you understand this and you, you're involved in a church and it's your family. You're in Georgia and, and you've planted your life there. This is your family. But you move. And the Bible requires you to go unite with another family. It's not easy because you've separated from one family and you have to unite with another. But you're a member. You join the church. You're a member of the family. It, and to do that means that when you say that, you're saying, I want to be like your brother. I want to be like your sister. But are we? But are we? So I want to start in Romans chapter 8. And uh, this morning I'll start, and we may have to finish uh, next Sunday on this. But... Um, I always think about when we talk about God's your father and uh, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful or, uh, but you remember back when I was out of high school, I think it was the next year or two, the, that uh, Luke Skywalker, The Empire, Strikes, uh, what was those series of movies? Okay, Star Wars, thank you. Bunch of, bunch of sinners. Star Wars. I wasn't a big Star Wars fan. It went wide over my head. But I did remember Darth Vader and, and uh, Luke. Uh, what did I say? Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. But you remember the scene when uh, Vader says, uh, Luke, it literally it says, no, I am your father. Most people think it says, Luke, I am your father. But he's... He, he says that, no, I am your, anyway, you always think about that when we say that God is my father. He, this, is, this is who has birthed me. Think about all the implications or applications. He seated me. God is my father. That means he spermatossed me. Do you know the Bible says he did? He spermatossed me. He planted his seed in me. And made me new. Isn't that awesome? And so, and I'm sealed by His Spirit and indwelt by His Spirit. And, and, the, and the Son, my elder brother, is at the throne making intercession for me. Is this not a good deal? But we're His family. We're His family. Anyway, Romans 8. Um, Romans 8. And, and I just want to read just a couple of verses. Um, Let's pick up at, at verse uh, 12. Um, and, of course, now it makes sense. You know, when you're reading the text and it says brothers. And I know you know. I know you know that in your whole, that it's a family. I know you know. And so that literally it means everybody that's ever been saved is my brother in Christ. And everybody who's ever been saved is my sister in Christ. I, I know that. And you know that. But also, we lose that the local church, this church, and when you study the New Testament, 
it's always, almost always dealing with the local church. Not, not universal, uh, but the local. So we are a family of God. You're my brothers and sisters. God is our Father, and we have family responsibilities. I can't imagine, I can't imagine treating my Father in heaven in ways that some people treat him, if he's your father. Uh, remember when, I, I'm verse 12, but remember when Jesus was on the cross and he looks down and he sees his mom, his Mary. I, he has other brothers, but none of them had been saved yet. Right? He, they get saved after the resurrection. That's what the Bible says. I, so, Jesus' half-brothers, there's several, none of them are born again. So at the cross, he says to his mother, Mary, what is, and she, he points to John, as in John the Apostle, and he says, Behold your mother, behold your son. Now, the church wasn't born yet. It's going to be born in, in a couple of weeks. But, that gives that new understanding when you thinking about the family of God that John is her son and he is going to treat her like a mother because she's and the Bible teaches that we cheat we treat elder women like our mothers we treat younger women like our sisters that's what it says why do we do that because we're, we're family well let's look at the big picture of theology here I'm in I'm in uh, uh, um, Romans eight twelve. We'll just read twelve through uh, seventeen. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, a great study is to see in the Old Testament who the sons of God were that were angels. But in the New Testament, the sons of God are those that have been born again by the seed of God. Isn't that awesome? Think about, so he says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Because obviously, if you're led by the Spirit, you know, the Spirit's dwelling in you. you you've been saved for, for sons of God. So brothers, sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. So, in this salvation, I, I'm adopted. Now, now, what's interesting is, I'm a descendant of the first Adam. All of us in here are descendants of the first Adam. By nature, I'm an enemy of God, right? So, he has, I, he, he's, 
called me or he adopted me out of this world. You know, uh, Colossians says, I was conveyed in to the kingdom of his dear son. He conveyed me. He transferred me. Well, the word here in the Bible is I was adopted. Now, you another good study. I could stop right here and talk about Roman adoptions. and Like here's one. They had all these legal... Uh, these legal um, Rome law, Roman law had certain standards if you adopted. Here's one, and this is true. I'm not making this up. If you were adopted according to Roman law, when you were adopted, your old family had no authority over you any longer. You were now the child of the adopted parent. No authority was, and you think about for us, we've been adopted through the work of Christ. Our old life is gone, right? It has no claim on our soul, does it? But we've, but we've been conveyed into the kingdom of His dear Son, and so now we've been adopted through Christ, and now we're, we're, we're secure in our salvation with Christ. So he says, spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, um, again, you can read, even if you have a study Bible, if you have MacArthur Study Bible or ESV, it'll have a comment, probably a, a commentary at the bottom about Abba, Abba, Father. And it's, it's the word of intimacy. It's the word... Um, I was listening to Margaret Ann. She... Calls Griff, she'll say, Daddy. Daddy. The word Abba Father is the idea of Daddy. You could say, Daddy, my Daddy. It's what a child would call their father in an intimate situation. Daddy. I loved, I loved when my children, when they were small, would call me Daddy. Uh, I even have one now that calls me Pops. And I, I kind of like that. So you, have, so you have this, I think about Margaret Ann and her connection. She'll see him and she'll say, hey, Daddy. Well, so Abba, Father, he's our father. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm just speculating. I know I'm saved, I'm born again, but I'm a wicked sinner. I know that. I'm no better than you. But maybe hearing some youths read my father's words... Makes me emotional. Maybe that's why I was emotional. Because he is my dad. He, um, he birthed me by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're adopted sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, there's, have all these family. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, sons of God and children of God, all of us in here. And if children... If we're his children, right, then we're what? Heirs. Heirs. So there's this inheritance that, that we don't earn, but is ours because we've been adopted. And you could say, you know, whether you're talking about the spiritual blessings that we have now or what's going to happen when we leave this world, all of it is an inheritance we didn't earn. Christ earned it. He deserves it. But... It's, it's ours, really it's ours by birth. 
being born again in, into his kingdom, into his family. Uh, so if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. Fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So Paul makes sure that the believer understands that, that if you're going to be like him, you're going to suffer like him. And the more you suffer, uh, it seems as if the more, the more you'll get an inheritance. Now, time-wise, uh, let me read four things about this passage. We may come back to this, but here, number one, about the family. There's supernatural distinctives. Okay, So this is not like my biological family. Thank God this isn't like my biological family. I got some fruitcakes in my family. And uh, got criminals, nuts, you know. Uh, and I love them, you know, but I don't love them as much as I love Jesus. I don't love my wife as much as I love Jesus. Um, so there's supernatural, there's things that happen. And folks, this is, why your this is why this family is precious to you. Rather than wanting to escape it, be away from it, want to show up one hour every month and, you know, no involvement. It's you have to examine your salvation, number one. But you're losing the supernatural, spirit-born things that happen in this family. Okay? And it is spiritual. So now coming to church and being involved with me and you and these people doesn't make you saved, but saved people want to be here. And I know that because it's supernaturally born, or I call it supernatural distinction. You know, there's distinctives that the Spirit does. That's number one. Two, quickly, there's sanctified desires. Now, the word sanctified means set apart. To me, the most important calendar, and I, you, should, you know, you're going to say, he, he, he'll say that because he's the preacher. And uh, you're right, I will say it because I'm the preacher. But the most important calendar, I think, is the church calendar. But throw the church calendar out, the most important date in the calendar every week of the year is, that's right, the Lord's Day. We have... I call it sanctified desires, set apart. Word sanctified means set apart. That, that it, not only are there, would you say, um, you know, supernatural distinctions, but they're sanctified. We, we just desire things because it's what set apart people do. And think about the family. This family is different. Now, it's not different from a lot of churches. It's always a little different. We're a family. Our family's different from other churches. We don't do everything they do. We, you know, we, a lot of Protestants, we believe a lot of the same thing. But we're, we're our family. We do things that's best for our family. But, but as spiritually, as the church is set apart, we have desires for us to do those things that the church is required to do. Sanctified desires. The Bible, when it says the church, the church is a family. So we're a set apart family that God wants to use. And this is how we grow. This is the importance of discipleship and teaching older 
elder men teaching younger men the word and those things. So there's submissive discipline. And so I'm, here's the three. I have four points quickly. You have a supernatural distinctions. You have sanctified desires. And then you have, I would say, you're submit, submissive to the discipline of the Lord. Right in this family. This is where Paul talks about mutual submission at the end of uh, uh, Ephesians 4. He talks about mutual submission. It's when God, because when God, what does God do with His children? What does Hebrews say about God's children? Hebrews 12, God disciplines His children. That's what it says. You can read it. It says, if you're His, He disciplines you. That's what it says. And then it says something stronger. It says if, if you're without discipline, you're illegitimate. You're not His. That's what it says. Because because God disciplines us. And why does He discipline His children? Because what's His goal for me and you? What's the Father's goal? Who am I supposed to be like? That's right. I'm supposed to be like Christ. So... I'm some, so when he disciplines me, not all the time, not all the time for you. You know, you can be convicted and do something wrong and the spirit gets on top of you and you feel miserable and you won't repent. And, but you're supposed to be submissive and, and because he wants you to be like the son. But folks, that's true for everybody in here. Everybody in here that's saved, the Bible says, have supernatural distinctives. They're sanctified in their desires. They, they understand the church is set apart. They're submissive when God calls to, to discipline them. Uh, and the Bible says the last S I have is that we get strength in the family. If you read that, you say, where do I want to be? I want to be in the family. I want to be with my brothers and sisters. I want to be with my elders. I want to be with others who are blood-bought, saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I want to be. So when we talk about, and we'll follow this up next Sunday, when we talk about, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, it means something. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I wrote one little comment here, and we'll close with this. Um, it says... Uh, there's two of them. It says, God is literally our Father. Jesus is our elder brother. And we are blood-bought brothers and sisters. I was thinking about the word Abba, Father, while I didn't say this, but you say Daddy. Think about, think about when you say Daddy. I, I mean, my dad's been dead and gone for you know, 25 years, but Dad, this, it's words of love. It's words of trust. We love Him. We love the Father. Because it is His salvation. That's what the Bible says. It's the Father's gospel. It's the Father's salvation. We love Him and we trust Him. It says, Our life in God's family should be establishing a new allegiance far beyond what happens just on the Lord's day. Let me say that again. Because it's family. Our life in God's family should be establishing a new allegiance that goes far beyond just the Lord's day. 
One of the things that I haven't done well as a pastor, and we'll close with this, is when I came up, when I got saved, when I was 16, our church, my home church, we, we had fellowships all the time. Now, I know I was young and I could go to everything. You know, you could work, do whatever, and still have energy to do anything. You know, so if everything they did, I was there. I wasn't tired. And if there was food involved, I was going to be there. And so, so you'd want to be there. But, but if this is true, and it is true, we're going against God's word when all, everybody in this room is just a little check on your, just a little tick in the clock. A 15-minute commitment, an hour commitment, and I've marked it off, and I don't have to do it again until the next Sunday. Folks, that's heresy. Your biological family doesn't function like that. And your spiritual family, if it's functioning like that, you're not very spiritual. That's, that's a fact. So we need to make a fresh commitment to, to the family. Amen? The family. Amen? Let's stand together for, for prayer. Now let me say something else as we stand. I, I'm a realist. Now please listen to me. If you need, I want you to get a, some, I want you to get a plate. So if you can't stay, if you can't stay, and you want to go by there and get a plate to go, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Some of you can't stay. And I understand that. But where else can you get a plate of chicken and vegetables for $5? And we do this for the, for the family, right? Even if we go in there and did nothing, if I didn't say a word and we sat at the table and shared with one another, it, it would be family fellowship. So that's just what we do. And we want you, if you've got to go home, don't go empty-handed. We'll wait on you to get a to-go plate before we sit down. So please do that. If, if, if that's where you are and you need to go, don't, don't go empty-handed. I'll bless the food as well. Okay, let's pray. Father, it is true. When, when, when I look around, I can really say, you're my brother and you're my sister. And Father, that's, that's not a story. That's the absolute truth about your plan for Christians. That in this church, as a family, children respect their elders. In this church, as your family, Older women teach younger women. Father, in your church, in your family, your family assembles around the authority of your word. We want to hear what the Father says in and through his Son. We're your family. And Father, I pray that in a unique way in the days to come that that each one of us will be a little bit more serious about the family, the family. Lord, everybody in here that is, that's saved, it's an eternal family. Our biological families are passing away. This family is eternal. So, Father, let us pay the respect due to our family of faith and how we live. 
Now bless the food, Lord. Thank you for the hands, those that have prepared and cooked. And, and God, give us a great time of fellowship. Strengthen our church in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much.